0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: From one ear to another, this
0: is a Mags Creative production. How did we get here? The last episode of this series of Castaway. We're ending on a hi, folks, by welcoming the brilliant Gemma Styles, who also happens to be an excellent podcaster herself. Now, Gemma's podcast, Good Influence, which I had the pleasure of guesting on recently, covers a range of different topics from climate change to therapy, food waste to sustainable fashion. On today's chat, Gemma and I discuss how she's found life as an influencer. With the responsibility of millions of followers, her love of food, and some of the causes she's really championing through her podcast recommendations. Some of Gemma's choices included some first-timers here on Castaway, it's very exciting, like Nature Therapy, which is so good, check it out, and Remember Who Made Them, to some firm favourites like How To Fail and Off Menu. So let's kick off this finale episode of Castaway with Gemma Styles. Gemma Styles, welcome to Castaway. How are you? Thank you very much for having me on Castaway. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. I say Castaway, and I'd like to imagine us somewhere on a beach. Somewhere I know. I hot. instantly imagined that as soon as you said it. So I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you did too. The reality is a little bit different. How, how have you been? How has your last year been? Um, it's been long. It's a, I it's feel like it it feels about
2: ten years. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like. <sighs> It's very British to feel like we can't complain too much. You know, I feel very lucky that I live in a house that's safe and Mm -hmm. I have not been in danger sort of over the past year, particularly. I've not had to shield or anything like that, which must be horribly difficult. But I think Mm -hmm. we can all agree it's been pretty trying no matter what your circumstances are. So, yeah, I'm... I'm ready for it to be over.
0: I'll I'm take hopeful. any roadmap. I'll take anything. It doesn't matter how long it is. It's just hope you said hopefulness there. How important is it to to feel hope?
2: i I don't know what the alternative is to having a bit of hope. In most situations, to be honest, I think it can be quite difficult at times, but I just feel like without having had some kind of hope over the past year, then how would any of us have done it? You know, if you think even on a very particular level of scientists who've spent their thousands of hours in labs and doing research across the past year, if
0: they didn't have hope that they were going to, you know, crack that vaccine, then where would we be? I hear you. I know I hear it It's my favorite word. And I think during this time as well, and as you, as you very rightly say, we're all in different situations, but it's trying to find the best within your situation. But also the need for communication. You know, we've kind of been cut off from the world in one way, but you look at we're on a podcast now. Podcasts are more popular than ever. Mm. I want to talk about finding your voice because finding that voice that you've got now, I'm sure doesn't come easy. How did you find your voice and find your purpose of what you wanted to do with your platform? Um, That's a difficult
2: question. I think that professionally, that has been one of the things that I've found the most difficult over the past, God knows how long, 10 years even probably, Mm -hmm. especially when you work in social media, which I do a lot more now. People want to box you in a lot. They want it to be extremely easy to take a glance at one of your social media profiles and know exactly who you are Mm -hmm. instantly and what hashtag would we attribute to you Mm. what do you care about who are you very quickly exactly and that's something I've always found very difficult because I don't know what my box would be really I've always just felt like I'm going through life like everyone else does I'm trying to figure out what I'm interested in and I'm learning things interacting with people as anyone else does so yeah it's, it's a tricky one recently I've found a little bit more confidence in what my voice is and I think to be honest that's because I've been able to use the platform that I have a bit more to feature other people's voices and that I've found a lot more comfortable which funnily enough a lot of that has been through podcasting yeah, <laughs> um, which has been new to me and something that I've started in the last year but I think focusing less on exactly what my voice should be and just being a bit more comfortable in saying, hi, I don't know everything. I'm trying to learn Mm -hmm. things and let's have a chat with this other person and see what we can find out from them. That has felt a lot more comfortable for me, which is great.
0: I just think one of the best things you can ever say is, I don't know. Like, I feel like we live in a society where we kind of have to say, assume that you know everything, but to actually ask questions is sometimes the hardest thing you can do. And you have given me a list of recommendations of things that you listen to, which I will come to a little bit later. But Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about your own podcast, Good Influence, because as you said, that you've kind of used podcasting a lot to speak to people about topics that are very close to your heart, topics that you know about, topics that you don't know about. Mm -hmm. And it's still relatively... Be new in the podcasting world. How did this come about? And when did you first know what a podcast was? So I think I was quite
2: late to podcasts in general, because as you say, I know they've been around for actually a very long time, but I was definitely late to the podcast game. In terms of how mine came about, it was, so kind of, kind of log-winded around the houses. So when mm-hmm. I had been talking about various different issues within social media. For example, if I did a post about depression on mental health day, or I would share things that I had learned about sustainability or share posts from different activists and people would send me DMs who were interested in having those sorts of conversations. So basically on on that kind of theme, I started a Facebook group for last year called Good Influence, which I'm a very self-conscious person. And from the beginning, I was like, oh, I hope, I hope people don't think I'm calling myself a good
0: influence. That's, that's, <laughs> not, that's not what I'm going for at all. But basically, You are a good influence, though. You are a very good influence. Take it. Take well, it thank you. you for saying that. But I just want everyone to know that wasn't the
2: point of the name <laughs> of any of it. But yeah, so the, the point of that being that it would be a place for people who were interested in those kind of issues that I was already talking about to kind of find each other and for it to be easier for them to sort of have more of a dialogue whether that's with me or with each other and we do discussion topics each week on different sort of themes and it's a really lovely group and people sort of will share good news stories in there it's just really nice and from there basically came the idea for the podcast and I thought it would be really great if we could then sort of expand on These issues we're talking about and also then, you know, showcase other voices that aren't mine where I can invite somebody who's far more expert in the subject matter
0: and I can sort of pick their brain and then everyone else gets to listen in and learn things along with me. It's really interesting just hearing you say just moving from social media and like Instagram to Facebook to podcasting world because it is about finding your community and finding your tribe. And I think it's probably fair to say that you, you know you were given a big platform. You got a lot of followers, probably that you not everyone you wanted. And it's trying to how do I use this platform? Mm-hmm. And use it the right way. Because I'm I'm gonna be honest with you, like there's a lot of people in your situation who could get the big following and not necessarily use it the way you have. Do you feel like you have a responsibility because So many people engage with you and want to know about you that you're like, well, while you're here, this is what you should know.
2: Yeah, I do definitely feel a sense of responsibility. I feel like a bit of a fraud in the kind of influencer space some of the time, because I know that some people who have larger platforms have built it up from absolutely nowhere, whereas I definitely had a huge head start. And Mm -hmm. I don't take that for granted. I think it is what Mm -hmm. you say. I I do feel the responsibility because it's a tricky one, because I think when you have this conversation, I never want to feel like I'm being judgmental on anybody else. And the fact of it is, you know, you use platforms however you like. You have to find your purpose. Everyone else has a different purpose, but finding your purpose of what you wanted to do. Exactly. And I think at the very least, I feel like I have a responsibility to not do harm with the platform Mm -hmm. that I have, for example. I don't want to be putting content out to a lot of people that's going to make them feel worse as they go through their day essentially.
0: You want something that's a good influence, which is the name of the podcast. In an ideal world, Perfect. that would be great. Yeah. With podcasts, when we're having a chat like this, I feel so different than I'm used to like interviewing people on telly or on radio or sometimes I get interviewed like for like a magazine or something and I always feel there's like this you're going to have to be protective of yourself or what are they going to ask me? Are they going to try and get a soundbite or what's going to be the headline? Mm. Podcasts is different. Like I'll say things on podcasts that I would never in a million years say in a print interview. And I, what is it do you think about the podcasting space that feels a little bit safer? Because you've talked very openly about things on podcasts that I don't think you probably would in other places. If you were doing like if someone asked you to go on TV, for example. Yeah. Oh my, I mean, I don't know how people do TV.
2: That just sounds like the most stressful thing in the world to me. <laughs> There's a level of intimacy to it yes, that does really feel like having a conversation with someone. I yeah. know that I've had lots of like nice messages about my podcast saying, you know, it felt like I was listening to two friends, having a conversation and it mm. does feel safer is the word that you used, I think. And it's true. And I, th- I think social media can feel quite overwhelming. And like, I also think podcasting, we're so used to so much visual media at the mm. moment mm. that I think just listening, not being distracted by what somebody looks like or what they're wearing or what's in the background behind them or any of these things. Like this is is one thing that a few people, not many to be fair, have sort of messaged and said, you know, would you do the podcast on YouTube, put it on YouTube. Mm. And I don't feel like I would want to do that at all because I actually think the visual element for me would take away a lot of what I really like about podcasting.
0: Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. There's something very personal about how people listen to podcasts, because for me, I'm mostly listening by myself. It's when mm-hmm. I go for a walk or if I'm driving somewhere, commuting somewhere. Headphones, it's in my ears. Very rarely maybe I will listen with someone else if I'm driving, they're in the car. But it, yeah, you're right. I think with the visuals, it kind of, sometimes I, I'm listening to podcasts as I'm doing something else. It's part of my day. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, Rather definitely. than sitting there going, this is actually, I'm sitting here watching this as a thing. Yeah. And I
2: mean, I feel like if that is what you want, because I'm also a huge tv person like i'm a big visual media person yeah don't get me wrong but i think podcasts are just yeah totally different to that and it's it's nice having something that you can have while you're just going along with your day one of my least favorite tasks in the whole world is putting away clean washing <laughs> i just have the biggest amount of loathing for that task ever mm-hmm. but that is one of the main times at home when I'll end up listening to podcasts because I love that. otherwise I just find it such an abhorrent job to do. It just makes it a little bit more exciting, doesn't it? Putting away the washing as you're exactly. learning something else. It gives me too. something else to think about
0: apart from my rage at this task that never ends. <laughs> so like with good influence, I mean, you talk about so many different things from climate change, therapy, food waste, sustainable fashion, mental health. What are some of your biggest learnings from the topics you're, you've spoken about? Or does it just make you want to question more? Because sometimes I find the more people I interview, the more I want to interview because I'm like, I need to find out more.
2: Yeah, it absolutely does. And I have I've really enjoyed it a lot. And what some of my favorite feedback from guests I've had on the podcast have been a couple of people have said to me, like, oh, you asked me some questions that people don't usually ask in interviews. Mm, Like slightly different questions, which I love because as somebody, you know, listening to podcasts or listening to interviews. I mean, you know what it's like as an interviewer. Kind of, there, there's sometimes when you're on a particular topic, you you need to cover the basics. But for me, mm-hmm. listening. Mm. getting to different questions that you don't usually get is kind of, you know, finding the juicy bits. So if I'm getting a few of those a few of those out of people then
0: I'm happy with that. Well, it's that thing where you ask a question and someone an- gives you an answer you're not expecting and then you're like, well, actually screw the rest of my questions. Let's let's do let's go down this pathway for a while.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe one of those bits that stands out and having having the control over the conversation was even the first episode, which I recorded the pilot episode with my lovely friend, poet, Charlie Cox. I was very nervous about starting to do podcasting and she very generously agreed to be my, my guinea pig for the first episode. But we were having a conversation about mental health and about lots of representation of mental health in whether that's in the media or kind of in wider society in general mm-hmm. and she's very generous with her conversation and she talks a lot about mental health and she has bipolar personally so she's talked about that before but we were kind of having this conversation and talking about how she feels mental health conditions like bipolar that aren't as kind of mainstream talked about as say depression and anxiety and we were talking about how she how she feels about that essentially and how people might be used do more hearing the names of these mental health issues or mental health conditions but they don't know what it actually means for somebody living with that condition or what that's actually like and we're about to slightly move on from the topic and I thought you know actually I I can ask this because it's my Your podcast, yeah it's your podcast yeah so I got I I asked her if she could actually just talk the audience and myself through a little bit more what bipolar disorder actually is mm. and what it means and how it affects people how it affects her and I found that a really powerful conversation myself because it's not a conversation that I had really heard much of. So I, I
3: always joke that Mental Health Awareness Week is my least favourite week of the year because I sort of get wheeled out like one of those old school TVs on a trolley on a rainy day at school yeah I do do find that difficult because it's not you know I have bipolar I am not bipolar if you will and it does frighten me that because so much of my work is about that that but the point of me talking about it all the time is to normalize it and say you know What we once thought or what we still really think is a frightening, debilitating, like she's insane, absolutely bonkers, off her head illness, like bipolar. You know, I live a perfectly functional life. And if I didn't tell you that I had it, you wouldn't know. I don't think.
2: No. I mean, I can attest to that as someone who knows you. Thanks. What, you mean that one minute I'm not really, really happy and talk really fast and the next minute I'm crying and really sad? Um, not in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> you got me on a good day, kid. <laughs> Have you done any podcasts where you feel like you've really dived into something?
0: Uh, like, I, I I don't do any telly stuff with my other half, but he came on my podcast and because it, it just felt different because I controlled yeah. it and it filled my, my space and just even asking him questions about the podcast that he listens to and then stuff about you know growing up And I'm like oh this is this is a conversation we don't normally have when we're sitting on the yeah. sofa and uh, it was really interesting actually I am um, I don't know if you've seen this new documentary about Bastille the band and I was talking to the lead singer Dan there and like he knows those guys really well he shared mm. tour buses with them they've slept on those bunk beds where they're like all on top of each other yeah and he said watching back the documentary be- he learned so much more because they were all asked these questions that they've never asked each other before mm. stuff to do with mental health how they felt imposter syndrome they all had this imposter syndrome that they never really shared with each other and I thought that was really interesting that you can know people really well but unless you have the right outlet to talk about things sometimes you can never really know what's going on in a person's head yeah absolutely um, and one thing I love about podcasts too again I feel like from even listening to you do your podcast and I've heard you on other people's podcasts that you do really get a different insight into people um, and to stories. And it's very helpful for, for me. It's helpful for, for whoever your listeners are. And then looking at your list of, of recommendations, because you've given me, a, do you know what I love? Because everyone listens to a wide range of things. It's not just like one particular topic. You might think, mm. oh, okay, well, you do good influence. It's going to be a lot of like activism. There's a mixture of stuff there. And I want to kind of go to this uh, podcast because this is a personal favorite. It's been around yeah. for a while, Just How to Fail, which I love because I think the title just sets up straight away because we live in a world where we we always have to be the best or told to be the best or you're not good enough. And this is Elizabeth Day. And I think with Elizabeth's podcast and the people she has on, it's really interesting, but also very helpful because it's very relatable. When did you discover Elizabeth and why has she made your list of recommendations? I was almost nervous to put How to Fail on my list because I thought,
2: how many other people have already put How to Fail on their list. I'm definitely not going to have anything to say about it that hasn't already (laughs) been said. I think it's one of the first podcasts I listened to because it has such a reputation for being so great. But the reason that it has that reputation is because it's so great. It's just wonderful to hear people talking about bad things rather than the kind of onslaught of press interviews that we always get, which are people happily promoting projects and kind of talking about good things. But it's still way less common. And especially, Mm. I think back when she started the podcast, it would have been even less common for people to publicly come on and talk about things they feel like they've failed at in their life. I just think it's such an incredible concept for a podcast in the first place.
4: That's the other thing is that a lot of people especially in the podcast medium, they really get inside how you feel, or at least they have that sense. So a lot of the time they they get in touch and they they worry about you and they say, are you okay? And come on, cheer up and all this stuff. And mainly I am okay. And it's really nice of people to care, but a lot of the time they overestimate the extent to which I'm in trouble. But my friend, I told her I was going to be on your podcast and she (laughs) said, oh, yeah, but don't be one of those wankers who goes on and says, oh, my biggest failing is that I'm a perfectionist who's too obsessed with detail. And that is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yes, so my... that that brings us on to your first
2: failure, Adam, which is yes. <laughs> being a perfectionist who's too obsessed with detail. No, but tell us the story of the scaffolding wrapping scaffolding at the Orion party. Yes.
4: I mean, the thing is that, you know, this is the thing, like, I could have picked any number of failures. As I said, I'm in sat mode. My life is a series of dead ends and failures and closed roads. And I'm not saying that in order to make myself sound pathetic. And, oh, poor me. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. And I'm happy, you know, that, that's the reality of it. And I'm happy for the satnav to recalibrate. But I tend to get everything wrong before I get it right. You know what I mean? First Nothing. try, definitely yeah. I'll get it wrong. And maybe it'll be more than one try. You know, three times to pass my driving test. I think you were the same. Were I'm, you, actually it was a, two, Adam. I mean I don't need to sorry. rub it in, but yeah, sorry. only two for me. <laughs> All right. Uh yeah. But I, I don't three. trust
2: people who pass their driving test first time. I think no, it makes them worse drivers. Yeah.
4: Exactly. Well, Thanks. this is the this is a metaphor for your whole podcast. Yes. I don't trust anyone who gets it right
0: first time. Do you think about your failures? Because people always ask about like successes and stuff. And Again, I even hate asking this question because you feel a fail is such a derogatory word, but it does make you listening to this, it does make you reflect. You look at successful people, every single successful person has failed. Yeah,
2: exactly. And I feel like every episode that I listen to, it doesn't matter how many I've listened to, I still get quite reflective about what my failures would be if I was going to go on the podcast you know I'm sure what like you'd everyone's say, oh like have that. you th- yeah
0: have you th- have you thought
2: of the ones that you'd pick I think I've probably got a couple but I've, I've never I've never like nailed it down I get halfway <laughs> through this thought conversation with myself I'm like oh well, I definitely failed at that and I definitely
0: <laughs> failed at that put it on what my would list my other ones be? yeah <laughs> to have a little notes this extra failure that you can put down but it's one of those things that you listen to and you do kind of feel a little bit better about yourself afterwards because you realize everyone else is human and you know you kind of got your following initially from the Instagram world which is putting your best self out it's like you know Mm. we've all been very honest that like Instagram is not real life I always try to tell people that because people say oh you look great at the moment I'm like well I put that picture up when I was in my pajamas with the top knot and I did not look like that it's not real life while failure is real life and hearing about those real things it does I don't know it sounds bad but it makes me feel better
2: it does for sure it's like and I think that's not because you're happy that other people have failed. You're happy that people feel the same way that you do. It's kind of it's kind of like what you were just saying about the Bastille conversations about imposter syndrome. Everybody feels that way at some point, I feel like. Mm. So similarly with failure, you know, everybody has failed at things, even if you look at someone. And think they're the most successful person you've ever seen they definitely have whether it's you know personal failings or business failings or something
0: it's it is just nice to know that other people (laughs) feel the same way that you do sometimes there's been so many great guests over the years ruby wax glennon doyle adam buxton do you have a favorite i do have a favorite and i can instantly tell you because i have it
2: saved in my downloads and I re-listened to it probably once once in a while. So it was that episode with Alain de Botton, which I realised is one of the only episodes where he's actually not really talking about personal failing. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's a good <laughs> Why did you example. connect with that? He's kind of more talking about failure as a concept. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was so incredible. And I felt the first time I listened to it, I recommended it to everyone and then also re-listened to it within about three days. I just thought it was great. I mean, I think he's great anyway, but it's just, you know, when somebody just has a conversation and it really makes you rethink a lot of things, it just really like touches you in a certain way. I thought that was, um, an excellent podcast episode.
0: Couldn't recommend it more. You mentioned there, you're recommending it to friends and stuff like that. Is that how you kind of come across podcasts? Is it like, do you, do you go on like kind of the browse section of iTunes or whatever, or do you kind of, someone tells you about a podcast and you kind of go find it? I think it's been a
2: mixture. I kind of, I'm not, 100% sure I feel like even with how to fail as I said it was probably you know just kind of on the front page of a podcast app because it's such a popular one I've kind of dived in I feel like half the time it'll be because I've heard of someone or yeah but I've definitely listened to like odd episodes of podcasts that people have sent me but it is I feel like compared to some people maybe the the range of series of podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis is probably quite small. I'm quite I'm kind of yeah. loyal to a small group of podcasts.
0: I'm a bit of a podcast slot. I'll just go everywhere. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I think I probably need to, need to try some more variety. I need to get sleep on around the in Castor's the podcasting world. Yes, yeah, sleep around. I need to sow my wild podcast
0: notes. <laughs> also, Elizabeth Day is in the middle of writing a How to Fail TV series. That's I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but basically the ethos of How to Fail that she writes about in her books, a mixture of her own experiences, and some of the guests on failure to create invented characters. But that could be interesting. Oh, I haven't heard about that. No. Watch this space, I guess. I imagine it'll be brilliant. Whatever it is, it'll be great. That's all. That's all you need to know. Okay. This is an interesting one because, again, you are interested in so many different topics. And I know you talk on your own podcast about fast fashion. I think you, you Venetia was on your was Venetia on your podcast. She was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love Venetia. I used to work with Venetia in MTV back in the day. Oh, of course. I oh, um, didn't make that connection. Yeah. But she's doing great things. But um, I want to talk about this is Remember Who Made Them. So this is, it's a six part series kind of about fashion basically, yeah? Yes,
2: so Venetia LaManna is
0: an activist, campaigner
2: I guess you would say and she does a lot in the sustainable fashion space and she does a lot about garment workers and looking not just at the kind of environmental sustainability angle of clothes that we buy but also the people who make them. So this Mm -hmm. podcast series was called Remember Who Made Them.
1: Hello and welcome to Remember Who Made Them, a brand new six-part podcast series, digital campaign, and fundraiser that aims to help energise a new solidarity economy in fashion. I'm Venetia Lamanna, the co-founder of this project, and I'll be co-hosting this podcast with my fellow fair fashion friends Swati Deepak, Devi Lipa O'Malley, and Ruby Johnson. In Remember Who Made Them, we'll be discussing themes, including Solidarity Is Not A T-Shirt with Aisha Barenblatt, founder of Remake, and Fashion Has A Racism Problem with Aja Barber and Salamisha Tillet. We'll be interviewing various activists and organisers who inspire us as we want to ground these issues in conversations with people who have committed their lives to this work and, of course, the people who made our clothes.
5: To find out if it's right for you,
2: most of the podcasts that I listen to, I find it's either kind of like comedy or relaxation or something that I find quite sort of positive and gentle. And not that this isn't positive, but it's definitely one that is more sort of educational. Would
0: you be. Folding the clothes now as you're listening to this, or is this a different different kind of atmosphere oh, I mean need?
2: The absolute full circle. <laughs> I feel like folding clothes would
0: actually be the ideal time to listen to this
2: <laughs> Yeah, podcast. it is actually. It's connected, hasn't it? <laughs> really is. But yeah, it's. I found it really educational. And also they were able to speak to some garment workers from different mm. places around like Sri Lanka. There was definitely an interview. Uh-huh. And I think there was somebody from Pakistan who I heard that they interviewed as well. But it's just one of those things It really made me think about something that I hadn't really thought
0: about before. And I just found that it taught me so much. Even the word sustainable, like sometimes I'll be talking to a friend or a family member or like we're talking about food or fashion. It's sustainable. I'm like, do you know what sustainable means or ethical? Or like there's all these terms that were like, I actually don't really know exactly what that means. Uh,
2: definitely and I feel like we're now going from people can say something sustainable because it's made from organic cotton mm-hmm. but this podcast really asked the question okay but who is sewing those t-shirts together yeah yeah which is such an important part of it it is people who are making our clothes and I just think that getting a little bit of perspective on that and even just becoming aware of it
0: really changes the way that you think about clothes that you wear I think it's really valuable. Yeah, Really, really interesting. And Venetia does ask the questions. I actually feel like, because I know Venetia personally, Mm -hmm. I do annoy her because I just sometimes ask her going, so with this brand, is this good brand? (laughs) Because it's (laughs) so confusing. They've said this. What does this mean? Because obviously there are loads of kind of halo effects and terms used that are very confusing. And um, sometimes... This is what annoys me with sustainability and, and clothes that you think if you pay more money, you're getting mm-hmm. better quality, which isn't necessarily because you're like, actually the extra price could be going on marketing or it could be going on other things, not necessarily yeah. the workers getting paid more money. And we sometimes think if we spend a lot of money and buy expensive things for our kids, then it's, it's better for the kids and it's better for, you know, it's a better brand. But that, that isn't, sometimes they're all come from the same factory. That's what I learned. Yeah. Yeah. Totally not. Not the case at that,
2: all that you know, more expensive always means better. But it's something that I am becoming more conscious of and I'm trying to make an effort to be conscious of. So I feel like this podcast for sure definitely helped me with that.
0: Yeah, really insightful. And Felicia Lamana, she also has another podcast called Talking Taste Buds. She's a zero waste activist. And they're currently regrouping, I think, on the next course of action. But do make sure if you want to find out more about all the work that they're doing, go to com forward slash action. And that's a great six parter to listen to. As you're folding your own washing, um, onto the the next on your recommendation list, which is nature therapy podcast, and this is hosted by Stephen McCabe, who's a former city dweller but now a nature lover. I I've never we never talked about this one before. Tell me about this, Gemma. Okay, so I will disclaimer
2: that this podcast, so nature therapy podcast, I picked mm-hmm. because it's one I'm I really enjoying one of their recordings at the moment, but it's one of kind of a category of podcasts that mm-hmm. I quite like, mm-hmm. which is basically relaxing nature sounds in podcast format. And I've really got into listening to just nature sounds and like the sound of rain or something, or this nature therapy podcast episode that I currently love is just an hour recording of, a stream in Cornwall that I just play in the background of my life when I'm feeling a bit stressed. Be and I really for a love wee it.
0: afterwards, you'd be dying for a wee afterwards. This is true.
2: This is true. It's also going in hand with my trying to drink more water this year. So yeah, that's, <laughs> been, that's been a real combo. But I'd still recommend it.
6: The river just underneath me is gushing quite wildly. I want to just invite you for a moment to just listen to that sound, just try your best to tune in to the sound of this water on the podcast and tune out of wherever it is that you are, wherever your head is at right now and let's just experience the sound of this water together, across time, across places, I'm going to take a little stroll, and I want you to just relax. Keep taking some deep breaths.
0: I listen to quite a wide range of podcasts, as I said, I'm a podcast lost. So, like everything, I could go from crime to listening to something like this to how to fail to something a little bit deeper and educational. When did you get into the sound and when do you find this good for, you know, when you're feeling anxious? Is there a particular time when you will kind of reach for this type of podcast?
2: Yeah, it's absolutely an anxiety thing for me. So I have an anxiety disorder and yeah, it is definitely something that I've found helpful and kind of Mm. discovered more over the past year. So I'm also somebody who I'm not good at sitting and working in silence. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I will quite often sit and like put the telly on just cuz yeah. I want some noise in the background. But yeah, from an anxiety standpoint, I kind of found this because I so I get very physical anxiety at the moment, mm-hmm. I would say more than. So if I say to someone for example, you know like oh I'm feeling really anxious today, they'll be like, "Oh, what's wrong?" and I'll be like, "Well, actually nothing. Like I'm not really thinking about anything, but my heart feeling is really high. Yeah. You know, I've got my fitness watch or whatever on my arm, and every 20 minutes it's going, You need to take some slow breaths. You're feeling a bit stressed today, Drummer. And I'm like, Yes, yes, I am. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> 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 but it's the kind of thing where if I was having a day where I was feeling particularly anxious, for example, and I just mm-hmm. wanted to get my heart rate down so I could stop being all sweaty and awful, then I would maybe do like a calm exercise, for example, mm-hmm. and try that out. But Sometimes they're only sort of like 10, 20 minutes and actually you've got work to do and you need to get on with the day. And I I can't really sit there doing calm exercises back to back all day. And I found this world of podcasts that, yeah, some of them are ASMR titles, but yeah, nature sounds. So it'll be like rain or streams or somebody walking through crunchy snow and I just I just sit and put some put some noise on in the background.
0: This is brilliant, and this is and something actually I've kind of gotten into recently because I find it quite stressed at the moment. Like a lot of people are stressed, and mm. again, sometimes for no reason. Do you know sometimes when you like I feel stressed, but I don't want to tell people because i have I'm no reason to feel stressed. Like, I know you feel guilty for feeling stressed because I'm Absolutely. like I'm a good life. Yeah. But I'm like, I do. And sounds, they definitely do something. And there's a reason why this space is getting bigger and bigger. And you've got things like Calm and Headspace. And um, I actually even noticed I uh, was watching Netflix. And I was getting really stressed about what show to watch on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I do that thing where I spend like half an hour scrolling through what show to watch. And then as I was scrolling through, I'm getting really stressed about, do I want a thriller or a comedy? And we couldn't work out what we wanted to watch. Mm -hmm. And then they had Headspace on us. I was like, I'm just going to watch a 20 minute Headspace episode.
2: And then he'll so be able can, to figure out
0: what to watch. And then will figure out what to watch. I know it sounds mad. This particular one that you've mentioned, there's loads out there and that's the joys of podcasting world. There's a niche for everything. But this mm-hmm. one is nature therapy. Stephen himself, he's a qualified ecotherapist and he's passionate about bringing more awe and joy into our lives through a better bond with the natural world. And isn't that lovely? Especially when you live in the city, it's nice to hear a stream in the background. It is. And they do it well. They have some lovely sounds. They do. Right. I want to go on to this is a podcast. I actually, I don't even know if we talked about this particular one before, but I do love it. And we have talked about her other podcast, The High Low. This is Love Stories from Dolly Alderton. Tell me about this one.
2: So I'm always really sad that there aren't more episodes of this podcast. And I'm almost hoping that with The High Low being no more, maybe she'll find time to go back and do some more episodes of Love Stories. Because mm-hmm. I just think it's such a lovely podcast. It's kind of, I guess, maybe in a similar vein to... How to fail is people talking about different kinds of love that they've had in their lives mm-hmm. and just going through and talking about their experiences with love and their relationships. And it might be unrequited love that they talk about. And it's really these kind of connecting human experiences that most people will have in their lives. And just hearing, you know, people with the platform. Going on these podcasts, and you get to hear really personal things about people. And even just from a nosiness level, you get the really nice, the really nice human connection. I love your honesty. But then, yeah, you just get to hear famous people talking about really intimate things in their lives. And it's just, you don't get that very often. And it's really, it's quite, quite enticing.
0: Well, you don't get that often because people, you know, they're protective and they don't want to share that. I mean, they've had huge guests on that show, like Lily Allen, Matt Haig, Stanley Tucci. And again, you would never have like, you know, Stanley's a huge actor. You know, he he talks about his work and stuff. And then to go on a podcast like this is credit to Dolly because Dolly is trustworthy, isn't she? And you kind of feel like she can get really great conversations out of people because she's so vulnerable.
2: Yeah. And I think... Because she's been vulnerable and been open about her own life Mm. and about her own kind of dating and things like that, I feel like in her work, she just feels like quite a trustworthy person to talk to. And she's not trying to, you know, get the clickbait headline or trip anyone up or embarrass anyone. It's just really genuine conversations that she's having. And they're just so lovely. I mean, that Stanley Tucci episode is a brilliant Mm. one. I've definitely re-listened to that one before.
0: And um, it's one of those things that makes you kind of like, Stanley's been in so many films, but it even makes you like him more as an actor. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's a real person. I know, it's so true. I actually, when I see him in anything, else, I'm just like, oh, I
2: love him so much.
7: I remember going on this trip to, we went on a field trip to Mystic Seaport. And it was a long bus ride, a couple hours or something. And I remember sitting with her on this bus ride and we fell in love with each other. And I remember getting home. I remember it so distinctly. Getting home and just being in this euphoric state. I'd never felt this way before. It was incredible. And I think I spoke to her on the phone that night. And I remember eating dinner. Everything tasted better. Everything felt better. Everything was, I was just floating. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching a movie. I watched a movie called Our Man Flint, which was... Like James, I don't know, it was one of those sort of tough guy movies or something from the 60s. And I was, it was the happiest I'd ever, I was so in love with her. And we never, we, we did, there were no, we didn't have sex. There was no. Did you kiss? Yeah, we kissed a lot. <laughs> we kissed a <laughs> lot. There was a lot of kissing. there was kissing. a huge that was grin it. on
1: Stanley's face.
7: Yeah. And that was as far as it ever went.
1: And did you ever feel that level of pure, unguarded euphoria again? With love?
7: I don't know. It sounds terrible to say, but I'm not sure I did because it was so new. It was so pure. I think you only. I think you feel it it once. once. I do too. I agree. I don't. You can't. Because everything else becomes. You you know too much or Mm. you you think too much. Mm. And And you know what
1: there is to lose. Right. And how hard it can fall. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
7: And then, oh, does she want kids? Does she not want kids? Yeah. Does it this? Does that? What about the parents? Oh. And then, when you're a kid, you're like, you know, you're not even thinking about any of that.
1: What was her
0: name?
7: Cece Martin. Cece.
0: I mean, she sounds so apple pie no, American. She was it's really perfect. apple pie. Similar to, and you mentioned how to fail. Like to talk about success, you've got to talk about failure. To talk about love, like in love stories, you have to talk about heartbreak and. And the darker kind of sides of, of love. And, and I think that's really important because I think there's no one in the world who hasn't gone through a heartbreak. And to be able to, to kind of have a space. How important it is it to have a kind of space like this to talk about relationships? Because I know we're all, I'm very protective when it comes to talking about relationships and things like that. Because you're afraid it's going to be misconstrued. Mm. But to be able to go onto a podcast or a space like this where that's kind of really what it's about. All the different elements to it. How important is that?
2: I think it's really important, and I think I mean I obviously can't speak for anyone who's been on that podcast, but I feel like in counselling, it's counselling. Yeah, well, yeah, it's very like therapeutic and cathartic. Mm. But I also think there's a certain element of like you say, you don't like to speak too much about relationships, and part of it's your own privacy, but part of it is also the privacy of the person who you're talking about. Yeah, good point. Yeah, because I've definitely had that a lot. Not probably not about my own relationship to be fair, not yeah. my romantic relationship but about you know family relationships I'm used to yeah. people trying to trip me up and get information out of me and it just is not a pleasant way to have a conversation
0: it makes no. you very nervous for everything you're going to say you're going to say something wrong it's going to be twisted the wrong way and then suddenly it becomes something that you've never said absolutely and
2: I'm like I'm sure you've you've experienced yeah. the same it does just feel like a lot of a lot of people just want you to say something wrong all the time it makes you second guess every word that you ever say mm-hmm. and I think that's why it's so great in in this podcast for example where people do have that space to actually talk about these kind of things because it, like you say it's, it's such a part of being a human and it's just it's just really lovely
0: we are talking about love stories hosted by Dolly Alderton. There's a few there. Hopefully, she might go back and do a few more. We are hoping. But maybe maybe it's like, you know, like really great TV shows like The Office where you're like, they just stand alone. They'll be there for time, historic thing where this is all that there is and they will never be any more i would I would be okay with it, but I would also love laugh more. <laughs> we do we need more love in our life before I let you go. I have one more podcast to talk about. This is a fun one. This is off menu hosted by two comedians Ed Gamble and James a castor and it's all about food. Tell me about this. this is probably my most often listened.
2: It's so funny. podcast. I just it's It's so good. Mm -hmm. I was probably, again, I don't think I was particularly early to this podcast, but it was one of the first podcasts that I started listening to Mm -hmm. regularly. And I think when I found it, it was just like a light bulb moment for me with podcasts. And I was like, okay, okay. I get what people are saying now. I get why people are going to get so into this. I think i Binge listened to about three or four back to back. Yeah. And it was long enough ago that I was actually on the move that day and going around different places, getting on the tube, walking across places in London. And I was just that weirdo on the tube who was sat there absolutely <laughs> laughing <at> my head <laughs> off. And I just didn't even care. I think the combination of comedians and food is just the absolute dream for me.
6: We could just ask you about Bake Off Forever and be the happiest people in the world, but we need to know your menu. Yeah. So we should start off with, uh, as always, still or sparkling water, Sue Perkins.
8: I'm not an animal, so it's going to be still. I mean, please. It's, I read this thing about – I've never liked sparkling water, but I read this thing about sparkling water that it demineralizes your bones. Wow. Mineral water – that demineralizes your bones apparently it leaches calcium and i'm a massive hypochondriac and i will take at face value any neg- any negative bullshit whatsoever about medicine so if, if it says it's going to do that in some strange corner of the internet i believe it so so what does it do it like bubbles away at your bones and like makes them weaker and stuff i'm gonna heavily caveat everything that i say from here on in with <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a medical professional Sure. And I only scraped to biology O-level. But yeah. my, my scant readings at the margin, I and mean, it's almost touching on QAnon. That's how marginal yeah. the internet reading's been. <laughs> this is the lighter side of QAnon, though, right? <laughs> exactly. The sparkling it's water the- stuff, yeah. Suanon. Yeah, Suanon. <laughs> it's something to, do with, something to do with fizzy drinks leaching calcium. And the process, I imagine, is a sort of, as you've suggested, a gentle nibbling. Like those Uh fish that nibble at dead skin on your feet, yeah. Exactly that. So the water gets into your bloodstream, it hits the bone, again, caveat, hits the bone and there's just, it's not ferocious, it's not piranha-esque. Yeah. It's more of a, it's it's a trout tickling. It's a sort of, Mm. just that, or a sucking, a sucking of... Of, of calcium, or like a dishwasher tablet advert, where you see like the cartoon of all the bubbles getting rid of the, yes. the plate. That's, nice. That's what it does to your bones. B- yeah, yes, yeah. like like Calgon. It's like yes. Calgonny thing, isn't it? So it takes it all, and then I imagine after a heavy night on the Perrier, you wake up, you get up, and you just crumble. <laughs> <laughs>
0: To laugh and hear about delicious food, what more do you want? They've got over thirty million downloads, which is just insane. And on hearing this news, Ed Gamble says, "I can't believe how many people listen to this dumb shit." Because <laughs> <He said himself. laughs> you can kind of get like obviously this. So basically, the premise is that they've got their guest on and they kind of talk through their dream meal. But but obviously, from talking about food, you end up talking about other stuff. But you know, you've got. Ed is a hilarious comedian. James is like a a completely different kettle of fish comedian. And like sometimes I'm like, I wonder how much they rehearse for this. Because I don't think a lot sometimes they're just naturally really funny. And a lot of it is off the cuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem
2: rehearsed. I think they're just really funny people. I know it because it maybe sounds like it would be quite, you know, you rattle through your courses and then you're done but it ends up like they're quite no. long episodes and you get some yeah. really good and some funny stories out of people as well when they have comedians on as the guest they're always the best episodes to me because it, you get three comedians instead of two and it just
0: oh, oh the last off it's it's off the wall I'm not going to go through all your favorite foods but if you did have to talk about one dish on that show what dish would you pick
2: maybe banoffee pie might have to be one of them straight mine. to dessert so I love that, that love. my own heart
0: Gemma. skip the main course straight to, <laughs> straight to dessert a bit of banoffee well I always have this conversation as well
2: because they they do say this to people so I'm a vegetarian and yeah. when they have people on who are vegetarian or vegan they're like well would your dream meal have meat in it or not so then I get into these philosophical questions with myself as well and it just makes you think makes you think about your own favorite food which to me yeah. I enjoy doing but my, my boyfriend just makes him hungry.
0: I gave up red meat when I was fifteen mm. because I watched the film Babe. Like it's re- it's a really weird reason, oh, and that's I a great reason. It's it's such as and that is the actual reason. And I come from a town, but we used to during it summer used to go to the countryside to learn how to speak Irish. It's very Irish, and you'd like stay in a farm. And I remember just one day clocking that there was like cows in the field and then we'd get burgers and then making that connection. And ever since that day, and then babe coming out and the pig, I was like, I can't, I can't eat. But then it's weird because there's parts of me that as a kid, remembering my mom making me spaghetti bolognese when I was like 10 and 11. And it's like, yeah. is there like an element of me enjoying that as a kid? That can I, can I Could I ever put that on my off menu list? Or is there too much negativity and different associations since then? But interesting, interesting, deep conversations you can have with yourself.
2: Well, this is the beauty of off-menu. People just get to go through these conversations. You could <laughs> chat that out and figure it out for yourself.
0: Oh my God, going back to my childhood. <laughs> um, great list. Thank you so much, Gemma. Before I let you go, I want to talk to just a little bit more about your podcast and Good Influence. And mm. and I guess your hope for it going forward, but something that you're going to be continuing for the foreseeable future.
2: I hope so. Yeah, I really hope so. It's been, it's been one of my favourite projects I've ever done. I've really enjoyed it. Has it? it? Yeah, lovely. definitely. It feels very... Me, I feel comfortable doing it. I feel like I found something that I really enjoy, which I feel very grateful for because it can be a real, a real mess out there trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. But yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And I think going forward, I think it'll be more challenging for me, but also I think will be really good to get more guests on who I maybe I'm less familiar with. I'm less Mm. familiar with their areas of activism or campaigning or awareness. And yeah, I think there's so, so much that we can always be talking about and learning from different people's perspectives so i think challenging myself a bit more and having even more variety of guests would be a good way to go Gemma styles thank you for being on castaway thank you so much for having me
0: And that's it another episode down as we delve deep into my guest's audio world I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks yeah I just said that sorry all of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes now if you love this conversation as much as I did please share your thoughts by leaving a review and if you'd like to receive weekly installments of cast away delivered straight to your phone hit the subscribe button until next time that's it from me take care